Hello, this is Rafael Davidovich. Welcome to Tanya Tuesday. Today we are covering an extremely deep concept here in a deep chapter. We are in Tanya Perichov Beis, that is the Sefer Tanya, chapter 22. We have been discussing over the course of the last couple of chapters, that is chapter 20 and 21, the concept that Hashem created the world, which of course we knew without the Sefer Tanya, but what has been deeper about the last two chapters is not just that Hashem created the world, but that since the Torah describes that Hashem created the word with world with speech, with his word, therefore the entire universe and everything it contains is an expression of God's will and is as significant in comparison to God himself as a word is significant significant in proportion to a person. So just as a word doesn't even match up in terms of how much of a fraction of a person's life is included in a word, obviously that doesn't compute. So too, the entire existence of the entire universe is just an expression of Devar Hashem. But more than that, it's not even like a word that is external to a person, but it's a word that is still included within the person's thought. So if that's how the world operates, that the whole world is just an expression of a thought of God, a thought of a word of God still included in the reality of God, then how does anything truly exist or even think that it exists? This is where we get to chapter 22. The Balatanya explains the concept that, yes, he created the universe with his word, but what he also did through the words that he created, was that he created many different types of things through a what is known as tzimtzumim vehester ponim. Tzimtzumim means contraction, which means that God contracted awareness of his true existence and concealment, so that part of creation is the reality that God allows himself to be concealed to the point that not only are there beings that are created, but even beings that seem to go against his will. Things that are known as klipos. Klipa is a shell, meaning not the fruit itself, but the external and apparently unusable shell that is also created by God. Another concept mentioned earlier, known as sitra achra, the other side, meaning God allows for an awareness through the fact that he contracted, he concealed himself, he allowed awareness that things can be apart from God, other than God, even though they derive their life sustenance from God himself and from his word, from Devar Hashem. All of this comes through Devar Hashem, through the process of his having concealed his essence. This is known this idea that God gives something, but that the things that the life that he gives is not perceived by the recipient of this gift is referred to in the words of the Tanya as Bechinas Achorayim de Kedusha, which means throwing something behind one's back. And he offers a metaphor which is very important to understand all of Tanya and much of Hasidus as well. That just as you can have a person who will grant and give something to someone, even though he doesn't like that person, but there's a reason that he has for wanting to give that gift. And you might say he would rather not. 
the gift does not come from his glowing countenance. Rather, it's like someone who throws something behind his back, which is what achor over here means. The back. He throws something behind him to give something to someone who he hates. Shalobirtsono, without his true will. So he throws it behind his shoulder and he refuses to look the person in the face. This is the way that Hashem and his will allow for life to be given to so much of the universe that doesn't even recognize that there is Hashem in this world. So now, this is the explanation for the phrase that is used, Elohim Acherim, other gods. You see, other gods is literally how the word Elohim Acherim is usually translated, but the Baltani explains that the reason that the word other is referred to as Acherim is because it is related to the word Achorayim, meaning that God allows for there to be an awareness of God while still thinking that so many other things exist, meaning that God who created the world with his word as described in chapter 20 and chapter 21 also created a system in which people do not recognize that God is the sole and only existence. So then why did he create it? So he says he created it in order to punish the wicked and give reward to the tzaddikim, who are able to control that other side and subdue it. So you see, there is a purpose, but the purpose is not primary. It's what we might call a secondary purpose. The same way that a person could create those obstacles that are part of an obstacle course, not because he wants to stop the person running or wants to get him to run slower, but actually to act as a motivator to make him even stronger. Meaning there is a purpose, but the purpose is not actual usage of those things. Okay, so now that we have established that Ratzon Hashem, God's will, is what allows for everything in the universe to be created. Both, both those things that are an obvious and overt uh, representation of what God wants, as well as all of those things that are not, meaning anything that is death or tame or impure, or all of the evil that exists in the world, is also a manifestation of God's will. However, we have established that there is a difference in that God's will that manifests in good things, the things that are an uh, expression of what he wants face-to-face, -face, those are things where Hashem is present and recognized. Those things that are a result of what God wants in the world because they prevent they present some sort of obstacle which is essential to allow for a system of reward and punishment in the world. In those things, God is not manifestly present. Rather, he is what is known in the language of Hasidus as makif aleha milamala, which literally translates as he encompasses those things from above. But that does not mean encompassing in a physical way, Rather, it means that it is not present in, a, in an obvious sense. The other way that this is expressed is that God's presence is in a state of golus, of exile. 
And this is what allows for atheism, for example. And this is what allows a person to say, only I am important and there is nothing but me. This is what allow, allows Pharaoh to say, for example, in the re Egyptian religion of old, that the river, meaning the Nile River, is his and that he made himself. And this is why the rabbis have said that a person who is arrogant is equivalent to someone who worships idols. Because on a higher level, on an upgraded level of understanding these things, the difference between believing in God and believing in Avodah Zarah, idols, or not believing in anything at all, like atheism, is not the simple way that people tend to think of it. Rather, the Hasidus approach to the idea of belief in God and the opposite, such as idol worship or atheism, is that to believe in God means to acknowledge that God is the only true existence. And what is Avodah Zarah on this level? The higher level, the Hasidus level of understanding Avodah Zarah is to acknowledge that other things exist, that I exist independently without thinking of Hashem at all. And this view of seeing the world as being full of broken down individual parts and not seeing God's oneness behind everything, that is the level of Avodah Zarah. Because the true belief in Hashem, the true understanding of Hashem, is to understand that He is Mahava Osam Me'ain Le'yesh Tamid. To understand that God brings things into existence from nothingness to something at every point in time. And that is the conclusion of this rather complex and beautiful chapter 22. Thank you for listening.